So on Saturday, um, the last Saturday in February 2021, an anti-lockdown type protest uh, happened in Dublin, which brought together certain elements of uh, the far right, um, people who believe in conspiracies, certain conspiracies, anti-vax and anti-lockdown type stuff. Um, Very diverse mix of people. The protest turned violent, uh, dramatically so, on Grafton Street in the city. There was footage of somebody firing a firework at the Gardaí. There was then something that you really don't see that much in Ireland, uh, in Dublin in particular, uh, which was a baton charge. And this has kind of been bubbling for a while. There have been several anti-lockdown protests covering different kind of points of view. Uh, 23 people were arrested, three Gardaí were injured and 13 people have been charged to date. Aoife Gallagher is an analyst at the Institute for Strategic Dialogue, specialising in extremism, hate and disinformation. She has been front and centre of the measured, of a very measured and smart and instructive reaction to events uh, on Saturday from her. That was her reaction. I'm not saying that all of the reaction was measured. If you listen to this podcast, you'll be very familiar with Aoife and her work. Uh, we've been discussing various things with her for a while now, uh, particularly around QAnon. Uh, thanks a million for joining us, Aoife. I know this has been an extraordinarily busy time for you. No, I'm delighted to be back chatting to you. Um, could you give us a bit of context around Saturday? What was the lead up in terms of online chatter? Who was involved, the various cohorts? And then I suppose the crossover between people frustrated with lockdown and then the much more nefarious forces that are coming in there. Mm-hmm. Well, I think like to kind of put this in context, you nearly have to go back a year, right? So, you know, this time last year before the lockdown came in, um, there were, you know, small kind of conspiracy theory communities kind of bubbling up in Ireland. But for the most part, they kind of kept on their own in the, in the online ecosystem. They kind of had their own little communities. And then what happened really was so uh, actually, you know, there was a lot of um, anti 5G groups were bubbling up massively in this country before like the pandemic started or anything. There were Facebook groups across like every, nearly every county in Ireland. You know, there were anti-vax groups. There was, you know. You know, there was a slight QAnon presence, you know, last year as well, not as much as there is now. Um, and then you have, you know, the far right influencer types. Right. So they all kind of came together when the, when the pandemic struck and they all kind of, I suppose, were providing people with answers to, you know, certain frustrations and fears that they had over the lockdowns and the pandemic. Um, and a lot of this was just disinformation and conspiracy theories and a lot of wild speculation about what was happening. Um, and unfortunately, you know, people's anger and fear and insecurity has just increased, like as we've gone throughout this year. And conspiracy theories in general tend to appeal to people that are feeling like that. They appeal to uh, people's sense of fear and anger, and they um, they give people back a sense of control in some ways that a lot of people feel like they, they probably lost during the pandemic. Um, I kind of the way I look at it is, you know it's easier to know or to think that there's people in control of the world. Even if those people are evil to you, it's it's easier to think that, that someone's in control instead of kind of believing that the world is entirely random and that, you know, everything just happens in, in a random way. Um, and this, you know, it's comforting to a lot of people to kind of to, to think that in some ways, to think that there's, there is some kind of a higher power controlling things. Um, so I think throughout the past year, you know, as you said, like there's, there, there were rallies last year as well. You know, I think that, the, you know, the, the ones last year resulted in violence as well. Maybe not. They weren't given the same kind of or that maybe that they weren't 
publicized maybe in the same way that the, that this one has been. Um, but there there were violent elements, I suppose, to to all the rallies that kind of took place last year as well. Um, when you're talking about like the different kind of people, you know, there's a very, as you said, a diverse kind of group of people that are that are at those rallies. I have no doubt that there are people at those rallies that are genuinely just extremely frustrated and extremely angry with how things are going. Um, I often think about, you know, business owners that, you know, happily closed last March and were told that they would be open in a certain amount of time. All they had to do was kind of invest a little bit in their businesses, maybe, and, you know, make them COVID friendly. For the likes of pubs that did that and they never got to open again. I actually don't know. I mean, it's very hard to put yourself in, in someone's shoes like that, really, um, if their livelihoods have pretty much been stripped away from them in the space of a year. Um, and so, you know, I, I get that there's a lot of lot of like genuine frustration out there. But the, the worrying part about this is the fact that when you join these communities online, that anger, those genuine angers and frustrations are just being fed by conspiracy theories and by wild speculation. Um, and most of this kind of revolves around the one kind of narrative that the government is doing this on purpose and that they are purposely trying to kind of strip away our rights and, you know, destroy our freedoms. Um, and, you know, these movements are extremely powerful. It might, you know, it could be, you could be pulled into these by, you know, a very well-made documentary that's kind of, you know, it, that is essentially propaganda and it's kind of made to feed those fears and kind of to, you know, make you question what, you know, the elites of the world are doing and if this is all some kind of a plan. As I say, they're extremely, extremely powerful. So, you know, I do think that the vast majority of people at the rally definitely didn't want violence. They were going there for a peaceful protest. And you know that because they took their kids. You know, a lot of people took kids to that rally. They weren't really expecting it to, to, to go like that. And I do believe that, unfortunately, you know, throughout the past year, the rallies have attracted far right, um, you know, members of far right groups and members of extremist groups and kind of violent thugs, really, that have just been trying to kind of, you know, worm their way into those movements as well. Um, yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that, you know, that the far right have had a major impact on how these groups have flourished over the past year because they've been fanning the flames of it online. They've been promoting these events widely. And at the end of the day, they are the groups that are going to benefit from people falling down these rabbit holes because they're the ones that are going to come and say, oh, vote for us in the next election. We believe that, you you, you know, what do you believe? We believe that, the, that COVID was a hoax. And so they're kind of steering into those communities for that reason and in, in order to recruit them, really. Have people been taking QAnon seriously enough in Ireland? I know you take it very seriously. We take it seriously. Mm. We've been been doing different podcasts on it. One of the things that struck me was, uh, so in some quarters, the reaction to, let's say, I know uh, Mark Tighe and, and somebody else had a really good piece in the Sunday Times, kind of vox popping uh, a couple of people who had very you know, what What some people would say extreme, they are extreme points of view. They're also very kind of standard QAnon points of view around mm-hmm. uh, crazy conspiracies about um, harvesting hormones from from children and, and paedophile rings and all that kind of stuff, which is all disinformation and all conspiracy. Um, it just felt that some people were taking the piss out of that reaction or just kind of like, kind of look at these crazy people. It's like, these are people who've been radicalized. Mm. Like, this is really sad. Yeah. And unfortunately, that is seems to be a default reaction for people, you know, to I mean, 
when you read something like that, I suppose your first reaction is that's nuts, you know. Um, but I am a firm believer in that approach is not beneficial to how we're ever going to try and solve these kinds of issues. You know, conspiracy theory movements are extremely divisive. Um, they literally pit, you know, good versus evil um, in a very, very extreme way. Um, and if we're going to try and work to try and get people kind of back into some sense of reality, calling them crazy and calling them loonies and calling them stupid is really, really not going to help matters. It's 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 not a beneficial way to approach this at all. Um, and, you know, as I say, it is a default reaction. It's very easy for people to just, you know, call things crazy or whatever. Um, I think that, you know, we haven't really been taking QAnon seriously, right? I mean, it's gotten a bit of coverage in the past year or so, um, but this is probably the first time that people have kind of really been exposed to the wild, the really wild theories that are involved in it. Um, also, the fact that it's kind of, it's been molded into these like regional narratives, you know what I mean? It's now, you know, RTE celebrities and the body has been buried under the children's hospital. Um, I mean, I didn't even see, I hadn't seen that online. I don't know where, where that came from, like who created that line of the conspiracy theory. So the fact that this is happening, that it's been molded to Irish narratives, I mean, it's happening around the world. I mean, QAnon is in over 80 countries or something at this stage. Um, so, I mean, you only have to look to January 6th to see how these movements can, you know, amount to something, um, you know, a lot worse than what we saw on Saturday, really. Um, and it is, you know, I firmly believe that the, the reason that people are driven to those extremes are because they're believing in, in these crazy conspiracy theories. On that, on the January 6th thing, what echoes are you saying about how the Dublin incident may be like incidents globally? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of kind of similarities in just the language that's kind of deployed in these groups. Um, there's a lot of like, even in the run up to Saturday, there were people saying, look out for Antifa in the crowd because they're there to make us look bad. Look out for Garda plants in the crowd. They're there to, you know, they're there to cause trouble and cause violence. And as soon as there there was violence, like I was, you know, kind of actively looking at the, these groups as the violence was happening. And that was the default reaction. It was like, well, that can't be one of ours. That has to be Antifa. That has to be someone that's paid to be there to do that. And those themes are echoed massively from, from the US. They're pretty much taken directly from the, those kind of US conspiracy theory movements. Um, so there was that. There was definitely, you know, a sense of desperation that was kind of echoed as well in the run up to January 6th. That is, you know, it's fairly worrying. The thing is, is that, a lot of these people, as I say, they truly believe that that the government's actively trying to destroy their lives. If that was true, like if that was actually happening, of course you'd be driven to, to extremes, right? Because you would want to protect yourself and you'd want to protect your children. I think like, you know, there has to be an understanding that um, like how deep these people are in, in these worlds, like, and, you know, how hard it is to, to get people out of it, essentially. Um, so, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, the, the conversations are, are kind of echoing a little bit too much for my liking for, for what went on in the US. What was the chatter online like at the time in various channels where, where such things are discussed while the event was happening and then after it? Because you're all over this stuff. You're kind of monitoring this stuff all the time. Yeah, like I was kind of, you know, I knew that Saturday was happening, obviously, and I was kind of keeping a close eye on, on the groups. And I still wasn't 100% sure if it was going to be as big as it was. Um, but I think I started kind of thinking that it was when I realized that people were traveling from all over the country to, to come to Dublin. 
Um, and there was a lot of people, you know, they were talking about being stopped by the guards, you know, either outside of Dublin or when they got into Dublin. Um, I think the fact that, you know, the guards were making an effort to stop people from getting there, but the amount of people that were still able to actually get there is, is, is kind of worrying because I'd say there were a lot more people that wanted to be there too. Um, so during the, the rally, I mean, there was a lot of confusion, I think, at the start of it because the, the guards had closed Stevens Green. Um, so there was a lot of kind of what will we do? Some people have suggested marching over to, to Leinster House. Um, other people had, you know, suggested marching in other directions. And it all seemed to be a little bit scattered. There didn't really seem to be, you know, a centralized kind of leadership or anything involved in it. Um, and, you know, as I said, as soon as the violence started, it was, you know, straight away blaming it on the other side um, without without any evidence as such. Um, and then afterwards, you know, the the reaction, I was actually just checking them just before I came on here just to, to see what they're up to today. But they they seem to have actually abandoned the, the idea that the, the guy with the firework was um, was a guard plant. I think they've realized that he wasn't probably because of the reporting that's gone on in the media about you know uh, about who he actually is I suppose um in general the people in those groups are pretty disgusted at the violence that that happened on Saturday as I say I really don't believe that a lot of them want violence they're kind of more about mass civil disobedience rather than actual violence um and so what's really happening now is that they are I mean they they are galvanized I think that they're kind of almost you know, more determined than ever to prove their point and more determined than ever to prove that they are not a violent movement. Um, and so at this stage, they're kind of planning on, you know, the next few rallies that are coming up and they're planning on like sit down protests instead of um, instead of anything that we saw on Saturday. I mean, the thing is, is that they can plan for peaceful protests, but it's the it's the people that infiltrate these movements. They're the ones that you really have to worry about, I think, um, because they're the ones that that really are there to cause to, to cause violence and, and to kind of disturb the peace, I suppose. Um, I've been watching like the wellness and spirituality community really uh, be a big part of this. And there's, it seems to be a huge element of the conversation around people who feel like they've awoken their truth through spirituality and um, and that everyone's asleep, essentially, but they've tapped into this greater knowledge. Why? How is this uh, such a big thing in that community? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I think that the kind of real anti-establishment kind of, you know, people hold anti-establishment beliefs on either end of the political spectrum, right? And I think that throughout this year, there's been a lot of things that really appeal to kind of the, the you know, real like lefty people, I suppose. There's a lot of, you know, within like the kind of anti-vax communities and things like that, and within the wellness and kind of new age health and holistic health communities, there's a lot of hatred of big pharma. And and that would definitely be something that would be reflected in the in the conspiracy theories um, and in those kind of anti-vax narratives. So I think a lot of it is kind of involved in that. We also saw that throughout this year, QAnon was, I mean, during the summer of 2020, the QAnon movement made a, a real concerted effort to really dilute down their their messaging. And they did this by kind of pivoting to spreading information under the banner of Save the Children, which was kind of, you know, they pivoted away from the, the real political stuff and the real kind of, you know, nasty blood drinking kind of stuff. And they went for, you know, advocating for saving children, which is, you know, who doesn't want to save children? You know, it was a very, very simple message to kind of put across and to spread their messages. And we found that this was the narrative that filtered into those wellness communities, into those kind of Instagram influencer communities. 
Um, a fellow researcher of mine has dubbed it pastel QAnon um, because it's, you know, it's kind of the kind of images and the the memes that are going around are very pretty and they're very digestible to kind of anyone who um, who would have any kind of, you know, just, just any kind of normal person, I suppose, that would be flicking through Instagram. They're a far cry from the memes that came off HN, you know, of like Hillary Clinton ripping the head off a child or something like that there that came when when QAnon first came around um so yeah there's a lot of different elements that are kind of involved as to why these kind of um kind of wellness and kind of new age health communities are kind of coming on board with these two they kind of feel like they're all inspirational quotey kind of vibes and it's it's almost like people are a bit lost maybe go towards them to kind of find a bit of meaning and this is the meaning that they're being given yeah exactly and um like I think that's very powerful right I mean I think in a time like this you know you're clinging on for to anything really and if you can I think that yeah that kind of wellness um vibe I suppose is very it really appeals to to a, a wide range of people um it appeals to anyone who you know, people's mental health has suffered so much this year as well. That's, you know, simple messaging like that, that kind of to, to pull people in is definitely, you know, it's a, it's a big part of this as well. Yeah. It's also probably about the, you know, end of religion in, man, in many parts of, you know, societies um, where belief structures that are can be quite fundamentalist and intergenerational or inherited fall apart and people are trying to I think it's like there is the wellness thing but like Andrea is saying there's also this like oh I have the knowledge like it's like the secret or you know I mm. I know this pathway is the truth um there's something very kind of existential there in terms of losing broader meanings in society particularly if people have like suffered economic trauma and stuff like that can often flip you into somewhere you didn't think you were going to end up um intellectually I guess yeah as I say it's kind of that sense of control that I, that I was talking about you know giving people that sense of control that they know what's happening or they know how to navigate through it um it's very powerful and I think anyone would would want that at this stage if someone gave me some kind of a way to to make my way through the rest of this pandemic I'd probably take it you know one of the things that was quite unfortunate was the uh, very quick comment from Guard the Commissioner Drew Harris after the protest around the involvement of far left participants. Um, he subsequently corrected that remark. I felt that it was really unfortunate because this kind of, well, the far left are also extreme or, you know, there's people on both sides involved in this um, feeds into kind of an, another ancillary narrative around, you know, what is often kind of the myth of Antifa or whatever you want to call her counter protesting uh, being mm. embedded in the original protesting. How did you feel when you uh, saw that comment and obviously the subsequent retraction? It's not ideal, is it? No, not at all. I think when we're dealing with movements like this, um, like I'm still kind of confused as to where that comment came from. I mean, we have seen that there have been, you know, call them far left, call them anti-fascist movements at rallies like this last year. Um, I think, was it the rally that was outside Leinster House maybe last year that resulted in violence as well? Um, so there there were kind of left-wing forces there to kind of counter-protest um, what was happening last year. So maybe it was, you know, 
like you would hope that the Garda Commissioner wouldn't just be assuming that there are groups there without making statements, but um, it could be something like that. I also think that, you know, was it a mix up between the fact that, you know, as we talked about, you know, a lot of the people that were really involved in organizing this are kind of those new age kind of wellness kind of influencer types as well. I mean, I hope that it wasn't just a mix up between like trying to call people, you know, left wing and then saying far left instead. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it was it was it it was a really unfortunate thing to happen. And I think it gave um, a lot of the you know, the people that were trying to push the idea that the the guy with the firework was was Antifa, it gave them a lot of ammo as well to be able to keep pushing that narrative even further. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, the evidence in these groups that I see, the, the real nefarious elements of these groups, there's no doubt that they're far right elements. They're definitely not far left elements. And I know this because I look at far right movements for a living. And they're like, there's just no way that the the kind of the, the people that are stoking the hatred and the people that are, you know, sharing links to the National Party, they're far right, they're not far left. Um, and, you know, yeah, I think that they're, you know, I suppose the clarification did go some way to kind of clearing it up a little bit, but it would have been better if it didn't happen at all. Uh, so what happens next? There's rumblings of Paddy's Day is the next protest. There is, there's rumblings of ones uh, of one outside RTE on Paddy's Day. And that's kind of the one that they're talking about a sit down protest for. So it'll be interesting to see what the Garda response is like to, to things like that. And to see, I mean, obviously Paddy's Day is a, is a bank holiday. There will be no one working. There's going to probably be more people out and about anyway, as there normally is. Um, so we'll see kind of, you know, how successful they're going to be in that. Um, I don't think much is going to deter these movements, to be honest. They're very determined to kind of get their word out um and as i say they're they're fairly determined that what is happening is is not going to end they actually just think it's going to get worse and worse um and that we're never going to get out of these restrictions so they're they're fighting for what they think is you know their their eventual freedom being taken away from them um and i think unless we can persuade them otherwise which is very hard to do um that's they're probably just gonna keep trying and trying i mean you know the I kind of talk about an online ecosystem that's been that's been built up for for these kind of protest for like to promote these protests and all the rest and it just keeps spreading and spreading it's actually a bit scary how 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 quickly these ecosystems are being built like just yesterday I came across another network on Telegram that has groups set up for every county in Ireland and I hadn't even seen it before um and so you know uh, there's a lot of issues around how we're going to tackle this to be honest but um you know in the short term, I think we're probably going to have to, you know, deal with these movements, trying to to make themselves be heard in some way or another. I kind of worry about Paddy's Day, actually. I, I think, you know, the, this particular protest aside and whether protests going to spill into town, there's a sense of a bit of a perfect storm around it because mm. there are definitely going to be loads of groups of people who have nothing to do with this kind of stuff uh, drinking in town um, mm-hmm. and maybe you know, getting quite boisterous or whatever. There's obviously like the the patriot narrative um, around yeah. some of this far right stuff, um, which is not patriotic, of course, at all, of course. In fact, it undermines um, that kind of patriotism, uh, in, my, in my opinion. But it does, I, I worry, I'd be staying out of the city centre myself and I'm, you know, not, wouldn't ordinarily be kind of worried about that kind of stuff, but it does feel... A bit edgy. Um, how can people, before you go, um, and thanks so much for joining us, Aoife, 
how can people negotiate with their friends and family groups if people are getting sucked into this stuff? An awful lot of people are experiencing um, things fracturing in their friend and peer groups or a neighbor in a WhatsApp group or a family member or a colleague saying something kind of mad that you know is the thin end of thin end of a wedge of a broader um, mm. kind of collection of beliefs that could go quite awry. How can people negotiate? This is the you know million dollar question. How can people negotiate their mm. friends out of that if they're getting sucked in? Yeah, and you know, there's no um, there's no one thing that you can do, unfortunately. And for the most part, for for people to kind of work to, and I mean, it is essentially de-radicalizing people. That that is what it is, and I think we do have to use that word because you know, just to to, to make the seriousness of it really apparent, I suppose. Um, and in order to do that, a lot of the time it needs to be, as you say, a friends and family approach. It needs to be they need to be talking to people that they trust. Um, and you need to do it in a kind way. And that, again, is what is very difficult about this, right? Because if you are talking to your friends and they're telling you that, you know, Ray Darcy is killing children in order to look young and he's hiding the babies under the hospital and all the rest. I mean, it's very hard for you not to react and, you know, you and call them crazy or whatever. So you do have to take a very kind um, approach to it. Um, there's also a lot of thinking about people that are in these movements tend to think that they have a, a higher level of critical thinking than, than other people do. But that, that critical thinking, unfortunately, tends to revolve around the idea of rejecting anything that is seemingly mainstream, right? Um, and that's not critical thinking. That's just rejecting, you know, you know, good facts and good science and things like that. But appealing to the sense of critical thinking is thought to be something that could work. So, I mean, if someone's telling you that, you know, the government is is doing this on purpose and, you know, it's all part of some kind of a plan, get them to really examine why that would happen. Who benefits from this? Why would Leo Varadkar want to destroy this country? Like what, like who, you know, really, really dig into uh, and get them to think critically about what they're saying. Um, the other thing is getting them to, to question their sources um again this can go either way you know a lot of the time it's it's hard to kind of counter this by by sending people like news articles that doesn't really tend to work but if you can get them to question their sources themselves and be like well where did you get this information okay you got it from this guy on youtube who is this guy what does he what is his deal what is he trying to get out there you know is he talking to you in a way that's making you angry is he giving you information that is making that is pulling on your emotions in some way that is really riling you up? And really think about that because that's the kind of content that really gets under people's skin and that's the, the kind of content that sticks. Um, so they would be kind of my little pieces of advice. And the last one that I always say is just keep the lines of communications open because the last thing you want is for people to become completely detached from from other people in their lives. So like that, that would be, yeah, the last thing I would say, just just keep keep talking to to people that are in in these movements even if it's not talking you know not talking about the conspiracy theories at all just talk to them like a normal person and just try and keep them in your life on the content stuff just before I go what's a good way of raising awareness of what's going on without broadcasting the messages that are that are they're trying to get out there so like like the mm. girls and RTE and the 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 t-shirts and stuff how do you say this is happening without amplifying it amplifying yeah it. it's very hard to be honest it is very hard to try and think about how you're meant to kind of explain this to people and I kind of 
think about this an awful lot, like trying to figure out ways to try and use Twitter to show people what they're saying within these communities and to really try and break it down for people. Um, so hopefully I might come up with something good soon that I can point people to. Um, but um, yeah, in the meantime, yeah, that's a that's a hard question, Andrea. I don't know if I've, I've really um, thought about that one properly. Maybe I'll come back to this the next time with something better. I think sometimes that people think that, you know, they pl- people place an awful lot of um, emphasis on like, I've done my research and I've looked at this study and I think this. And if people do perceive themselves to somehow have an elevated intelligence or that they know a secret or a truth that you don't know, and you're actually a bit stupid for not knowing what they know, to ask them to to look at if the things that they're saying and the things that they're thinking and the lines and phraseology that they're using, is that really theirs? Or is it Mm. actually really widespread and copied? And if you are so smart and and unique in your thinking, if you're so discovered something, then why are all these randomers in, you know, America or wherever saying the exact same phraseology as you? Then that isn't your your thought. That is a borrowed thought and it's kind of unthinking. And if you can kind of flip that, you know, search for truth back on them, it's like, why are you now suddenly saying what a random QAnon senator is saying in Florida or or things like that? It might kind of tap into something, go, God, how did I end up parroting this stuff? We need to get Eckhart Tolle on to talk about a, a shared thoughts. Yes. That's our, next, that's our next episode. Thanks so much for joining us, Aoife. Keep up the great work. Um, we'll keep an eye on the protests that, that are being planned for St. Patrick's Day and how they may be potentially shut down or hopefully not erupt. Um, because it was quite distressing actually seeing what was happening on the main shopping street in Dublin at the weekend. Um, but thanks for joining us and I'm sure we'll speak uh, soon. Great. Talk soon. <laughs>